We'll go to James 3. I forgot to take this slide out, so this was just a placeholder from last week. There we go. James chapter 3. How many have heard the expression loose lips? And what goes next? Sink ships. That comes from a World War II U.S. Department of uh, Security or U.S. Department of War. And I just realized there's falling leaves. I cannot stand when anything distracts. So I'm wondering what to do with my notes. I thought I previewed these and I, there was no motion. So I'm wondering if I want to go without them or not. Um, I'll go with them today, but rest assured, I will try my best not to have anything moving on slides from now on. And I've done that to you before, and uh, you've probably seen it in singing, where there's uh, birds flying across during songs, and you're like, oh, look, the birds. And like, no, we shouldn't be looking at birds. We should be looking at what's on the screen. And now you're looking at leaves falling. So I'm sorry uh, for that. But... Anyway, back to loose lips. The actual title is "Loose Lips May Sink Ships," uh, and they have we have taken that off of uh, our common lingo, and it is an idiom, um, which is a a phrase that uh, it needs uh, our all of us um, need to control our mouths. Uh, speaking when we shouldn't speak or saying what we shouldn't say uh, always uh, is, is harmful, destructive. And so James gives us a caution. If you were uh, listening to Jeff read Psalm 73, you say, this sounds like a discouraging passage in the Psalms. If you read James 3, 1 to 8, it sounds like a discouraging passage of Scripture because it's just all warning. So I tried to find a text of scripture that uh, deals with all warning. Because how many of us have, just in, since we have got up this morning, in the last two, three, four hours, you wish you could put your foot in your mouth? Okay? We all struggle with this. All of our lips are loose at times. No one has perfectly tight, not loose, lips. So we're all going to struggle with this. So James is going to tell us, don't be alarmed when you struggle because everybody struggles. I just got a house that was built in 1750, and you just expect in a house that's built in 1750, nothing is level. Nothing. No floors are level. No walls are level. Kitchen cabinets aren't level. And it's fine. I knew that going into it, but you just expect. So we expect in our flesh that every single one of us is going to struggle with loose lips. We need control. We lack control at times. We say things we shouldn't say. And so what is James 3? We're going to continue this again next week. Uh, but what does James 3 tell us about, um, tell us about our tongue? I'm actually, uh, David, let's just do a black screen. Uh, and I think you can get the notes without looking at a screen. All right, so why do we say loose lips? And what is the caution today of James 
3. Let's look there at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all struggle, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So the first slide that you're not seeing, its title is, It is Revealing. We need to have caution with our tongue because it is revealing. There are always things that we want to hide. Uh, we have makeup that we use to hide blemishes. We're glad all of us are wearing clothes. It hides a lot of unattractiveness in our body. We have uh, ways to uh, hide just about every blemish. I told you about my house. I'm so thankful for uh, drywall, uh, drywall mud that covers a lot of imperfections in walls. But we get used to covering things that are not um, not what we don't uh, want to see. We've already seen about the doer of the word um, is like a person who looks into God's word and goes away changed and is changing. You heard a testimony of, of a Christian this morning who realized she needs to change. And all of us need to change as Christians. And when it comes to our tongue, there is no one here that doesn't need to have greater control over what they say. So what does James tell us? What does it reveal? It reveals two things here in verses 1 and 2 are the revealing. What do, why do we need caution for our loose lips? Because it reveals things. Now, there are some people that you would never tell a secret to. For instance, a three-year-old. Hey, don't tell mom we got her a birthday present of this. <gasps> yeah. Now they know. Hey, mom, we can't tell you that we just got you this nice birthday present, and this is what it is, but we're not allowed to tell you, mom, okay? And that's very cute for a three-year-old, but there's some things you just don't say. If you ever know of someone that's in the military, going back to our loose lips sink ships, military, most of what they do in the military, they say it's classified. Can't tell you. If I tell you, I'd have to kill you. And I've heard that a number of times. I can't tell you where I'm at, but I'm, I'm somewhere on the globe. Uh, you hear from soldiers on the front lines. So what does James caution us to do because of what the tongue reveals? Well, the tongue, tell, or uh, the reminder is here in verse 1, that more speaking means stricter judgment. So the more I say, the more I will be judged for what I say. This is obvious, okay? So everything, if you get arrested and a policeman says, you have the right to remain silent. Anything that you say can and will be held against you in a court of law. Something like that. I don't know if they say that anymore, but they used to. And so uh, you have the right to remain silent. But a lot of us want to teach. If you have the gift of teaching, you're looking to teach. As a parent, you're teaching uh, your kids. If you aren't a parent, you're looking to teach anyone, even animals. You're looking to teach um, children. You're looking to teach adults. You're looking to teach anyone who will listen. You just have a heart for teaching, and many of you do have this heart for teaching. But there's a warning, because a lot of people like Corinth had, um, in 1 Corinthians, had a need for a warning because they wanted the supernatural gifts of uh, tongues and prophecy, the upfront in front of everybody to speak 
so everybody could, could see. And that you may have a, a strong desire. I'd love to get behind this pulpit. I'd love to preach. Okay? Talk to me if you're a man. If you're a lady, I'm sorry. We're not going to allow uh, women to preach in our church because of 1 Timothy 2, uh, their scripture. But, um, but if you have a desire, young men, uh, older men, to preach, I'm going to have a class on preaching in, uh, starting in January. Uh, you want to hone your skills in preaching or teaching the word. But be warned, James is going to say, because not many should become teachers, probably of the word here, teaching other Christians. He says, my brothers. Why should we have a caution for teachers? Because you know that we who teach, and James is a teacher as the pastor, of course, you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I realize that as a pastor, I have the influence over a hundred of you right now because I'm speaking, and I'm going to speak for probably 45 minutes. And I, ha I can say a lot in 45 minutes, probably enough for a small book. And so I have prepared as much as I could this week to share with you God's word, explain it to you. But I understand that I'm going to give an account of every word I say. And I need to have a fear of God that should control my tongue. Because there are a lot of thoughts that come in my mind, as there probably are in your mind whenever you're listening or when you have a conversation with someone. There's a lot of thoughts that come in mind that I should say something. Oh, man, this would be hilarious. <laughs> but I can't say it. Or I'm not going to say it. And sometimes I do say it. And I, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Teachers have a, a, a stricter judgment. So more speaking means stricter judgment. The tongue reveals, uh, this, uh, this caution reveals that we need to think this way. And James is going to remind us of that in verse 1. Verse 2, not just teachers, but everyone. For we all, all of us as Christians, stumble in many ways. This is why we do discipleship here, because we all struggle with life. Different stages of life, different problems. Uh, different circumstances and uh, different perspective of someone helping us to grow and change is why uh, we exist as a church and why we meet together so we can provoke one another to love and good works. But we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, so you talk to someone and they say, you know what, I don't really struggle with my tongue anymore. You know what, they're lying. They're, so, they're, they're, they're struggling with their tongue because they just lied to you. <laughs> Because we all struggle with what we say. We all say things that we wish we wouldn't have said. We know it doesn't please God. It doesn't edify other people. So James says, it, our tongue reveals our lack of strength. Or speaking reminds us of our weaknesses. You just think, we think we're stronger spiritually than what we are until we start talking. And then we realize, oh. I struggle. I stumble. So verse 2 tells us, speaking reminds us of our weaknesses. We all struggle with the flesh. You know, in heaven, we're never going to struggle with what we say. Isn't it going to be great that we don't have to think before we speak? Now, we probably will be thinking and speaking. But today, if we don't think before we speak, a lot of what comes out of our mouth is flesh. It doesn't please God. It's corrupting people around us. It's uh, as uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, it's corrupt communication and it just comes out of our mouth like sewage. And sewage that comes out of your mouth defiles people. 
So anything, whether it's taking God's name in vain, whether it's lying, whether it's uh, even sarcasm, whether it's mocking someone, whether it's gossip, whether it's anger, whether it's profanity, all kinds of ways that we have honed to use our tongues and sharpened our tongues like a sword to cut people, to destroy people. Kids are really good at this. You go, just go to junior high and listen to how they talk to each other. If someone has some physical blemish, for sure it's going to be brought up. Hey, what happened to your face? <laughs> just that is enough to crush somebody. Like, oh, man, I already know I have spots on my face. They're called zits. Yeah, I can't control them. Um, and it's just not helpful. It is not pleasing to God. Speaking reminds us of our weaknesses. We don't grow out of our weakness of our tongue, our loose lips, when we get out of junior high or high school or young adults or middle-aged adults or retiring adults. Um, we all are going to struggle with our tongue. We need to accept this and not... Um, and, and realize that we need control. And at verse 2 says, if you can control what you say, you don't ever stumble with what you say. You always say what pleases God. You're a perfect man. And that's our word uh, mature. Um, perfectly like Christ. And you're able also to bridle. That word's going to come up again when he talks about horses. But control. You're able to bridle or control the whole body. Now, we've already heard this bridling your tongue back in verse 26 of chapter 1. So let's go back there. James mentioned the tongue already a couple times um, and just passing, but this passage of Scripture is the passage in the Bible when it talks about the warning of controlling our tongue and the power of it. So James chapter 1, verse 19, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Uh, why do we need to be slow to speak? Because we stumble with what we say. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then we talk about in chapter 2 about how uh, we say to, we show partiality by what we say to the rich man and the poor man. Hey, you, you come here to this good place and you go um, to sit at my, uh, at my feet. And other will say in verse 18 of chapter 2, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And so people are speaking in the book of James. And we need to be aware of the caution that James is going to give us, that loose lips are a struggle until the day we die. But we can win this battle. So what action needs to happen? Because the tongue reveals that we will have a stricter judgment for teachers, and then all of us struggle. It reminds us of our weaknesses. So what action do we need to take? Before we speak, we must ask God's Spirit to control and His Word to inform our speaking. I'll say that again. Before we speak, we must ask God's Spirit to control and His Word to inform are speaking. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as believers is going to help us control the tongue. You, we have no chance of controlling our tongue unless the Holy Spirit controls it for us. Because all of us, our lips are loose. All of us stumble in what we say. So the action that we have to take to be doers of the word is this. God, help me to control what I say. 
Husbands, you need to say that before you talk to your wife. Or on the drive home to meet your wife, you say, God, help me to control what I say to my wife. Because if she burns dinner, you're going to be tempted to say something that's going to cause you and her to stumble. If she didn't do what you expected her to do, and you come home, and you're frustrated, you're tired from work, you're going to take it out on her. Or you should be, and maybe you aren't saying things you shouldn't. This year I've been convicted by asking my wife, how was your day? And by not saying that to her, I'm not showing her love. So I need to use my tongue to say, honey, how was your day? So before I speak, I ask God's spirit to control my tongue, and I ask his word to inform our speaking. What should I say? God's word gives me a lot of help when it comes to what I should and should not say. This passage is one sample of many, many. And Proverbs says a lot about the tongue. Um, and many other passages talk about, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word. In what we say, we are to be examples of believers. That was Paul to Timothy in ministry. So before we speak, we ask God's Spirit to control and His Word to inform our speaking. What would Jesus say? So that's our first point, that we need a caution because our tongue reveals judgment and it reveals weaknesses. Second thing, verses 3 to 8. We need to be cautioned because of loose lips, because of the tongue's power. Verse 3. For if we put bits in the horse in mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder that sticks usually out of the back of the boat that wherever the will of the pilot or the captain directs. So we have two examples here from what we all know to be true. A horse may weigh a thousand pounds and a bit is a few maybe a pound. I did a study, I just uh, did a little research on how much the average human tongue weighs. And just ask Google, it gives you an answer in grams. I had to convert from grams to ounces for us. But it's about 2.3 ounces is how much the average human, adult human tongue weighs. So compared to the average human, I won't tell you how much the average human weighs, roughly 150 pounds, okay? Uh, just guessing. Um, so what is the percentage? How we are, our tongue makes up one one thousandth of our body. Your tongue is only one one thousandth of your whole weight. Your body mass is your tongue. But he says here, now think about a horse and a bridle. It doesn't take a very uh, big instrument to control a large horse, just a bridle a bit in the horse's mouth that can turn the horse from right to left. How big does the rudder have to be on a very large boat to turn that boat in the water one way or the other? Very small. So then he says in verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. So the first point underneath, it's powerful. Small but powerful in nature is verses 3 and 4. We understand how a bit works and how a rudder works to control things that are much, much larger. Our tongue is one one-thousandth of our body mass, and yet it boasts great things. What does that boast great things mean? 
Well, Psalm 73, you read about it, but let's go back to Psalm 12 and then Psalm 73. So hold your hand here. And let's go back to Psalm 12. Two times, at least, and there's probably more, uh, psalmists bring up the idea of boasting great things. And let's get a little context for us in Psalm 12. We'll read the first four verses when we get there. Psalm 12. The tongue is small, but boasts great things. Verse 1 of Psalm 12. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. He's crying out to God because there's no one faithful to God. And he, Psalmist David here probably feels like he's alone. Verse 2. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So this is definitely showing unfaithfulness to God and how people speak. They lie, they flatter, and their flattery and their lying shows that they have a double heart. They're not really genuine. Verse 3. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Okay, because all, all of us struggle with loose lips here. These loose lips show flattery, praising someone that shouldn't be praised or showing false sense of friendship. Verse 3 continues, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Whoa. With our tongue we will prevail. Who in our culture prevails with their tongue? I, I thought this week and thought, who in our culture, just because they can speak really well, they can control people. Maybe a CEO of a company. They probably are really good at speaking. You go to a board meeting with them, they know how to control people and lead just by speaking well. Politicians probably can do very well with speaking. That's why they're, they get elected, because they're good orators. Lawyers sometimes have to speak well in a courtroom. Um, but even... Even on the street, okay, this is like smack talk. You know what smack talk is? I'm better than you. I don't want to hear that the Steelers are one and three. I know they are. They're bad. But if you come up to me, that's okay. I don't care. If you come up to me and say, oh, the Patriots are four and oh, Steelers are one and three, I know. I know. And we lost to you guys the very first game of the season, and it was bad, ugly. Yeah, I know. You can rub it in all season if you want. That's fine. But understand, James 3 has something to say. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> we all struggle with loose lips. And you can boast great things. So the tongue, just like a, a, um, something very small that's very powerful, the tongue is very small, but it can say, look at what I've been able to do. A CEO that uses his tongue well can say, look how much money and successful my company is because I am good at speaking. Look at how much a salesman can sell just because he's really good at persuading people to buy what he's selling. Look at how bad we make people feel when their football team is bad. Just by smack talking. Okay? You can see how powerful this little instrument is. We can use it so destructively. 
And throughout the world, you can see in Daniel 4, which we're going to study Daniel on Sunday nights. I'll encourage you to come back tonight. Daniel 2 will be in tonight. But Nebuchadnezzar is going to be judged because he is boasting of great accomplishments. What do we use to boast of great accomplishments? A tongue. And he didn't control his tongue. Even though Daniel told him to control his tongue, he didn't listen. God's going to tell us to control our tongues. And we have this negative example here of unfaithfulness to God is shown when people flatter with their tongue. Look at verse 3 in, in Psalm 12 again. The tongue that makes great boasts. Look at how good I am. Look at how good I am of this. Celebrities are very good at this. Of of telling you how wonderful they are, of what great personalities they have, and they should be worshipped. In verse 4, And those who say with their tongues, we will prevail. I will prevail over my competition because I can speak better than they can. I can reason better than they can. And our lips are with us. Who is master over us? I got my lips. I got my tongue. I am in charge of my life. That's what Psalm 12 says. And this shows in this context, David is grieved by the unfaithfulness of people when they elevate their personal ability to speak over their need for being faithful to God. Psalm 73. We read it this morning. Let's go back there. Psalm 73. We're not going to read verses 1 through 11 again, but our verses that we We'll look at is verses 8 and 9. Psalm 73 ends gloriously, as we saw in Sunday school, verses 23 to 28, about how God is my strength and my portion forever, and how I would almost have stumbled, I would have slipped. I was envious of the arrogant. Look at verse 3. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How do people show that they're arrogant? They speak, they boast with their tongue. Look at how good I am. Look at how much money I have. Look at how much I've spent on this or that or that. Shouldn't you, don't you want what I have? And they cause us to covet or even steal. So verse uh, in 73, Psalm 73, verses 8 and 9. The wicked... The pride is their necklace, verse 6. That means they're known for their pride. I mean, whatever you wear around your neck is obvious to people, and pride is what is obvious here to uh, Asaph in describing the wicked for us. What else? How do they speak in verse 8 and 9? They scoff and speak with malice. I don't need God. I don't need your God. I don't need any God. And they speak with malice. If I could kill your God, I would. And people talk like that today. Loftily, they threaten oppression. No one's going to tell me what to do. Verse 9, they set their mouths against the heavens. Whoa! They are blaspheming God and actually opposing God with their mouth. Their tongue has so convinced them of its power that it goes against the heavens, against God. And how do they live through the earth? Verse 9 says, And their tongue struts through the earth. Look at me in my bad self. And strutting as they live. The tongue is capable of doing this. 
And the psalmist brings this out for us. This is how wicked people live. Their lips are loose, and their lips in their looseness cause them to be wicked, uh, harmful, malice. They even oppose directly, boast against God. And they strut through the whole earth saying, I don't need anyone or anything. Oh, how proud and arrogant we are. And our tongue reminds us of that. It reveals that. The tongue is powerful. It boasts great things. Now go back to James 3. And we'll see more of the power of the tongue. So the tongue is small, but it's powerful in nature. We have the horse and the bit. We have the ship and the rudder. We also have, at the end of verse 5, a forest and a spark or a match. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. We have seen in the news uh, forest fires in our country, and there's probably some many around the world. And Smokey the Bear tells us, only you can prevent forest fires, right? And just put your fire out, don't throw cigarettes down, just be smart in how you don't want to destroy acres and acres and acres of land just with a small spark. Okay, so there's three pictures then of small but powerful. The horse and the, the bit that controls the horse, the rudder that controls the ship, and a very small spark that can start a whole... So what does verse 6 say? And the tongue is a fire. Now this isn't a good thing, it's a bad thing, because it's destructive here in context. It is a world of unrighteousness. How is it possible, and we just gave a list, but I'll have you think through, how is it possible that the tongue shows us a world of unrighteousness, things that do not please God and doesn't live up to God's righteous standard? We can deceive, we can uh, boast, we can um, be angry, we can curse someone, we can do all kinds of wicked things with our tongue to people to cut them down, to discourage them, to try to destroy them, and people have done it. We can take God's name in vain, and we hear it now from kids that say, OMG, flippantly, without even thinking, and I'm talking eight, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, and it's the normal way to talk in our culture. It should not be so in our homes. The tongue is a world of, as a fire, is a world of unrighteousness. There are so many ways, and you know what? Hollywood and many celebrities are doing, they're inventing more creative ways to show, to use their tongue for unrighteousness. This is what the, the human heart does. It creates more and more ways, and now we put it on YouTube, we put it on social media, and now we can get millions of views for our unrighteous ways of using our tongue. And if it's funny, you'll have a million views. Easy. And it can be destructive. So, what's verse 6 continue? So is the tongue set among our members, staining the whole body. We corrupt our body by how we speak. 
And we set on fire the entire course of life. We can destroy a lot of people around us in a very short amount of time with just not controlling our tongues. And then it says it's set on fire. Where does the fire originate? It's set on fire by hell. This is the only place outside of the Gospels where this word is used, Gehenna, place where um, it, it speaks of fire, where they would burn trash outside of um, Jerusalem. It's constantly burning. And that was the picture that Jesus painted in, in the Gospels for hell. The fire is not quenched. The worm dies not. The, the fire is not quenched. And our tongue destroys a lot of life around us and what causes the, the, uh, it to start in the first place and spread? It's fed by hell. James has already, in chapter 2, said, you guys remind me of Satan. What was the reminder of Satan in chapter 2, verse 19? You say you believe God and you won't serve him. You're like the demons. Okay? So faith without works is dead. It's so so ugly that we have a picture of James says you think you're Christians you say you're Christians but you won't even serve God you're just like the demons oh man demons so with our tongues we don't control our tongues we destroy everyone around us uh, verse 6 says and it's set on fire by hell you remind people of Satan you know where the word Satan is uh, accuser right what does he do right now in heaven? He's accusing all of us before God. That's what he did with Job. Yeah, God, he's only serving you because you gave him all this. And God said that's not true. And it wasn't true. But Satan accuses believers before God. This is part of his job description. What does Jesus say in John 8? You have your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning abode not the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources. So how does corrupt stuff come out of our mouth? We get ideas from our wicked heart, and here we get ideas from hell. Satan. And he tells us, it would be hilarious if you mock this person. It may be funny, but if they're not laughing, it was mean and ungodly. It was unrighteousness. It needed to be thought through and say, you know what, I don't think I should say that to that person. I think I'm going to not say it, even if I don't get a laugh from the other friends in the group. So, the tongue is powerful. We see power in nature. The tongue is small, but it boasts great things. And the tongue is extremely destructive and even devilish. And now verses 7 and 8. And we're done. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We go to a, um, a circus and watch lion tamers, or you could in the past, um, and watch birds that are trained to fly back to their owner's hand, uh, birds of prey. Um, I watched a, a bird show last summer at an amusement park, and they had an eagle. Really cool. And... Uh, sitting on someone's hand, eating uh, meat out of their hand. And so every kind of beast and a bird of reptile, sea creature, 
Uh, you go to SeaWorld, see the sea creatures. Uh, can be tamed, has been tamed by mankind. Okay, so we think about, man, if every kind of creature can be tamed, why can't we control the tongue? That's a, that's a wise thought. So what does James say about that thought? Verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You get young people together and they can't sit still. I've got to be doing something. I'm be doing something. And if you don't give them something constructive to do, they can be destructive. Especially if they come to your house and you've got knickknacks, you've got stuff that you don't want to touch. You're like, okay, whoa, whoa, you, you can't touch these things. These are priceless. These have been given to me from great-grandma, whatever. And kids are restless. Our tongue is restless. Whenever you're talking or you're listening to someone, your brain is thinking, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? What can I say? It's constant. Your mind and your tongue are constantly going if you're awake. Um, so what does verse 8 tell us? No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, we just have not been very positive here today, James. It's not James's fault. The Holy Spirit wants James to write this for us. We need to have a caution here because we say things and think it's no big deal. It is a big deal. What have we seen so far? We have seen that we uh, can hurt people. We can boast great things. We can destroy all kinds of people around us in many different ways, and we can poison them in verse 8. So the tongue without God is uncontrollable. So the tongue is powerful. We need a caution because it's so powerful. We see power in nature. We see it boasting great things. We see it extremely destructive and devilish. And without God, it's uncontrollable. No one can tame their tongue. And the tongue now has many servants. They're called social media. They're called texting. They're called email. And just because you don't have to speak out loud to someone, we can electronically type, text, or maybe speak into your phone and it texts automatically and say things that are not godly. So what possible chance do we have of taming our tongue if, if it's uncontrollable? There's only one person who can control the tongue. It's God. No one in the history of mankind has ever been able to tame their own tongue. They haven't been able to do it. They've tried and tried and tried. You can get all the self-help books you want and count the 10 uh, strategies, but that's not going to help you say godly things when you're put in various trials, as James 1 tells us. We are expected to be godly even when there's ungodliness all around us. And psalmists write psalms for us many times like Psalm 73 and 12. When there's ungodliness happening all around us and people are using their tongues to destroy us, we are expected to praise God and find our, our strength and portion in him. So the action that we have to take today. The first action was before we speak, we ask God's spirit to control and his word to inform our speaking. So the word of God and the spirit of God is who we get our speech from. We don't get it from, well, I just felt like saying it, 
or I just speak my mind. Speaking your mind is not a good thing because your heart informs your mind what to say. And where does your heart get its thoughts? From hell, from Satan, from your flesh. And if you don't think you have a flesh problem, go back to James 1. You do. We all do. So the problem that a lot of us have that you have justified, I just speak my mind being a virtue, and it's not a virtue, it's a vice. That's not biblical. Well, I'm just trying to speak the truth in love. Okay, so Christ always said what was loving and necessary. So would Christ have said what you said and how you said it and when you said it? Well, no. And if you're not sure, then go back and study the life of Christ. Because Christ is our example of how, what a perfect tongue looks like. And we have a lot of Christ speaking. If you have a red letter Bible, everything that he says is red letter. You could, it stands out to us as we read scripture. So what action do we need to take because the tongue is powerful? Well, we're going to use our tongues to thank God for helping us to realize this potential for destruction. You know, all of us have the potential to destroy a lot of people. Kids, when you go to school tomorrow, you can destroy a lot of people with your tongue. A lot in a very short amount of time. When you go to work, adults, tomorrow, you have a lot of choices, a lot of chances to destroy a lot of people in a short amount of time with your tongue. That's the caution that we need to take from James 3. So the action here is to thank God for helping us realize this potential for destruction. A lot of people don't realize the tongue is really a world of iniquity a world of unrighteousness, that we get our wicked speech from hell and that our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I didn't make that up. That's what James says. So we thank God for helping us to realize this is extremely powerful, even though it's small and extremely um, deadly, it can be. So then we thank God and then we ask him for constant help to say what Jesus would say. If you and I would think in pressure situations, okay, sometimes we don't have time to think before we speak, but we need to always be praying without ceasing. I'm going to give you a prayer without ceasing. As you go throughout the day, before you speak, ask God to help you say what Jesus would say if he was you. So God, you know my position. You know my coworkers. You know what they're going to say to me when I walk into the office tomorrow morning. Help me to say what Jesus would say. God, you know that my friends are going to make fun of me when I get to school tomorrow. Help me to respond in a way that would honor Jesus. When I get home from work, I'm going to get nagged by my spouse about this or that. God, help me to say what Jesus would say when I get home. And whatever situation you're in, you're going to find wicked people all around you, flattering, lying, sarcastic, attacking you, taking God's name in vain, and all kinds of corrupt communication all around you. But you don't have to take part in it. You don't have to allow their speech to influence you. You can say, no, this would not honor Jesus. And as soon as you say something that you shouldn't say, you're quick to repent and say, God, I shouldn't have said that. You go to the people or person that you talk to or texted or emailed and say, you know what, I shouldn't have been so quick to respond. We need to ask God for constant help, praying without ceasing to help us say what Jesus would say. The tongue reveals things to us. 
that our tongues really are loose, that we will be stricter, uh, strictly judged, and the tongue is powerful. Let's ask God's help. Thank him for our tongues. We're glad we have tongues. But these are tools to be used, very powerful tools to be used to boast in our God, not in ourselves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the tongues that you've given us. Thank you for those today who struggle, showing that we have the Spirit and not just our flesh living inside of us, informing us what to say and when to say it and how to say it. I pray that you'd help us to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. I pray that what comes out of our mouths would be loving, it would be kind, it would be patient, it would not be seeking its own, it would not be easily provoked, it would think no evil. I pray that what comes out of our mouth would bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. I pray that you'd help us by our speech to show that we love you, we're your disciples, and that we love others, and we love your word, and I pray that you give us opportunities to use our tongues today to build people up instead of tearing them down, and uh, convict us and help us to be quick to repent when we don't speak and say what we should say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.